Welcome to Bethel Christian Fellowship. We are here as a house of prayer for all nations. And you are welcome. A place where strangers become friends, friends become family. And family become sent ones into the nations. So you are welcome to be with us, whether you're a stranger or a friend or part of the family. And this is our sanctuary, but uh, this time we get to be with you in your home or wherever you're watching this. So let's pray as we go to God's Word today. Lord, we ask you to speak to us because we desperately need to hear from you, especially in these times. We always need to hear from you, but especially in these COVID-19 terrible times, we need to hear from you because you are the only one who knows what's going on. You're the only one who has control. You're the only one who can be with us through everything. So Lord, we pray that you would speak to us in this moment, in this time, right now as only you can. Speak from your word. Speak by your spirit. Speak to our hearts, our minds, our lives, our relationships, our world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as I speak this, we're in kind of terrible times around the world. Uh, This is COVID-19 times. We are safe at home in Minnesota. Minnesota happens to not have as much as other places, but we have COVID-19. And the whole world is infected. At least almost everywhere there is infection. So these are terrible times. We're trying to figure out what is going on and what are we supposed to do. And this is a, a difficult time. Some of you are getting really tired of staying at home and staying safe at home. And there's a, some losses in this time that are really hard to take. One is a loss of control. We don't have control over what's happening. We don't know what's happening. That's a loss of meaning. And then we also don't have contact. We have a loss of contact with people. So we lost control and contact and meaning. And we're trying to figure out what do we do in these terrible times. So I want us to look at scripture and see what kind of clues we can have. Now we talk about this time being unprecedented. It's as if it's never happened before, but actually disease is always with us and plagues and pandemics have been with us for years. I, uh, on my birthday during the lockdown, I got this book, Minnesota 1918. Uh, Minnesota 1918 happens to be when the Spanish flu, which actually started in Kansas, was uh, running across the world. 50 million people died, 500,000 plus in the U.S., 12,000 in in Minnesota. My own hometown of Cloquet was burned to the ground as well as most of the rest of that area of Minnesota. Um, And it was World War I that was just finishing. So Minnesota 1918 was a a unique time. This is stories from that. I read part of it and then it got to be a little overwhelming in the midst of how relevant it is. So these are not unprecedented times. And in the Bible, there are similar things that happened. And what happened in scripture and what did God say then? And what what has the church done in other times as well? So those are some of the things we want to look at today. I want to pick up where I left off um, in uh, the end of Luke. We talked about Jesus had been resurrected. We said, The the disciple says, we had hoped, but then all our hopes were dashed. And then Jesus showed up and they didn't recognize him, but he was active and he said, you have hope because I am resurrected. And he reinterpreted their suffering. He reinterpreted the scriptures so that they knew what was going on and they knew what they needed to do. So I want to read just beginning in the end. 
Luke 44, he's speaking to the disciples after he's met all of them. He says this, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. So we said that Jesus is the Messiah, the just king, the anointed one that they had waited for. He was king and he was just and he had come. And suffering did not change the fact that he was the just king and that he was king and that he was just. Some of us are wondering that right now. Is God really just? Is he righteous? Is he in charge? Is he king? Um, so it was written that he must suffer and die on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. The message is this. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So we are called to be witnesses to this message to all the nations. As a house of prayer for all nations, we're called to pray, we're called to witness to this. The message, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Now, that is good news. Believe it or not. Now, a lot of people don't take that as good news. Why? Because they're like, I, you know, sin, that's a really uncomfortable, old-fashioned thing. I don't, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't, no. Then you'll be like, you'll be uh, condemning people, excluding people, judging people. Let's not talk about sin. And let's talk about, talk about repenting either because, you know, that means I'd have to change the way I do things. I don't want to change anything. I like what I'm doing. And in fact, let's not even talk about somebody else being king, because I kind of like being king. I kind of like being in control. I kind of like, you know, having my own way to make meaning of how things are. That's worked for us, kind of, until now, because now we've lost control, and we've lost contact, and we've lost meaning, and it's not working like it did. <clears throat> I think God is being gracious to us in this time. So this is good news. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. The first thing we need to realize is that God has graciously provided forgiveness of sins. If we don't realize there's grace, if we don't realize that God can forgiveness and he can still be just in doing it because Jesus took our punishment, because Jesus already paid for our sins, when we know that, then we can ask for forgiveness. We can confess. We can turn and go a different way because we know that Jesus is ready and able and just. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins. That's good news. Even though not everybody thinks it's good news. Um, so one of the things that we're realizing in this time is that there's a lot of suffering. We can kind of pretend and close our ears and, nah, 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 nah. you know, death, no, 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 sickness, not for me. We've been able to do that pretty well. But how, now it's really hard to pretend there's no sickness, there's no death, and there's no problems because things are not going so well. You know, I think sometimes we're a little bit like a, a really spoiled adolescent, 20, 30-year-old who, uh, you know, wants to stay in dad's house 
And monster, it gets upset when the fridge isn't full of food and gets upset when the, when, the, when the heat isn't on and the car isn't available and the whatever. But, you know, working for it, paying for any of that, nah, not so much. Just let me do my thing and have my fun. But, you know, God made the house. God makes the rules. And God wants what's best for us, just like a father who's trying to encourage his son to pay for some food or make some meals. Um, so I think we, uh, we need to turn to God in this time, in these terrible times. So that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. We talked about last time that repenting is when you're going one way and then you turn and you go a different way. We've been going away from God, doing our own thing, being in control, being king. And then we want to turn and go back to our father because he loves us, because he forgives us. Like the prodigal's father, it's time to turn around and go back. Um, or even the, if you're the older son who kind of depended on your own righteousness, that you were good enough, you also need to turn around and go back and join the party. Because God wants to throw a party for you. He doesn't want you out feeding pigs or slaving away because you think that your goodness is what matters. So let's get to the scriptures. Um, so where is this idea of forgiveness of sins and repenting coming? Well, we have to go way back to this beautiful garden that God created, the world that God created, and the wonderful things that there were. But then people rebelled, did their own thing, said, I want to be God. I want to make my own rules. And after that, everything fell apart. And then we got weeds and sickness and pain and all that because of what we had done. So God then graciously, after it got injustice and all that spread from individuals to families to societies to between societies and all that bitterness, God called Abraham, promised him he'd make him a nation. And then when they were in Egypt, they were enslaved and God came and cared about them and rescued them. And he sent plagues, diseases, because Pharaoh said, who is God? Why should I obey him? I got my own gods. I got my own way. So God said, well, this is who Yahweh is. This God, this is who I am, the creator. And he showed that everything was in his charge, including sickness and death. And then at the end of that, we've talked about this in Passover. At the end of that time, Exodus 15, they get out of slavery and they are free. They get through the Red Sea and then they, then they start complaining because they don't have stuff to drink. And then uh, God gives them something to drink. It was there at Marah. This is in Exodus 15. Let me give you a little time to get your Bible because I'm, I'm, I'm uh, depending on you to find your own Bible. Exodus 15, 25. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Faithfulness to him, like he is a husband who you should be faithful to and pay attention to, um, or a wife in, in a marriage. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of Yahweh, your God, and do what is right and just in his sight, he gets to define that what's right and just because he knows. Obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh who heals you. So Yahweh heals us. The Lord heals us. He is the one who is able to give us, to prevent diseases, to heal our diseases. But it notice it came with following all the instructions and decrees. And there's another five books about those instructions and decrees. And some of those include things like you know, we talked about before about 
putting the infectious person out and going to the bathroom away from the camp and good public health stuff. Again, we said the books of Moses are the foundation of public health. It makes sense for us to follow the advice of public health, to, make, to follow the government as they're trying to follow the advice of public health, as they're trying to make sense of COVID-19. As Bethel Christian Fellowship, we are going to follow the advice of the public health officials. We're going to follow the advice of the government and when we should open up and what kind of distances we should have, because that's their job to tell us how to do that. Um, we are, at the same time, going to take our responsibility of praying for the nations and of repenting and calling people to what this says about that. So notice that it's not just arbitrary that God heals us, but it's as we follow his laws and decrees and turn to him and follow him that we get protection and we get healing, even in the midst of a terrible and corrupt um, world that has a lot of disease and problems. So, um, and then as we go along, we see that the, the children of Israel got into the promised land, and then they had this kind of pattern in the judges of they would forget that God was the one who had blessed them with the promised land and their food and everything else, and they'd turn away and turn to other gods and start oppressing the poor, and then God would send some, maybe some people to some terrible times, and they would have to turn back to him and find that he, again, was there, and he would rescue them. So then we get to uh, Solomon, and in Solomon's time, Solomon builds the tabernacle. He, he now builds a temple for the ark, for the presence of God. So God in the wilderness was present with them here. And here is a, a, a scripture that I have been thinking a lot about, and I keep hearing from others. People in Tanzania have been saying this a lot. People around here have been saying this a lot. This particular scripture, so Solomon dedicates the temple. He prays that God would be present, would be in contact with them, would be close to them in this temple, that they'd have a place to touch God in that temple. And God then responds, and they, and they say, he's good, his faithful love endures forever. And again, I want you to notice, the main thing is we need to know who God is. We need to know who is God in this situation. So um, we're going to come back to that. But really, this is a time to turn to God and realize that he is holy, he is just and righteous, he is good, and he is wise, and he is powerful, and he knows what's going on. He is the king. Do you want him to be king? Do you want him to be in charge? Do you want to turn the world and your world over to his control? Do you want to be in contact with him? Do you want him to decide what this means or what your life means? So this is the scripture. Um, Solomon had finished the temple. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said this, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. He chose it. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, as is happening in Africa right now, or send plagues among you. That's called a pandemic. Um, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, repent, turn from their wicked ways. So what are those things? He says, if we will humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from the wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. There's the promise. 
of forgiving sins, which is because of what Jesus did. But he says he'll heal the land and restore the land if we do those things. It says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will watch over it for it is dear to my heart. And then he challenges Solomon to be faithful and that he will establish his throne. He says, for I made this covenant with your father David when I said, one of your descendants will always rule over Israel. Now, when this was written in Chronicles, they were looking back and it had not happened. There was no king on the throne at that time. It says, but if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees. So notice he's not abandoning us. We're abandoning him. We're disobeying and the commands I've given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I've given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled. They will say, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be because his people abandoned Yahweh, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt, and they worshiped other gods instead and bowed down to them. That is why he has brought all these disasters on them. So I want you to notice that there is two promises, or one promise here. One is, if we seek his face, humble ourselves, pray and turn from our wicked days, he will hear and heal. If we don't, then he will abandon us because we've abandoned him and he will let terrible things happen to us. So this is um, a theology of immediate retribution that here in Chronicles shows it. For example, Ahaz depends on, he gets attacked. He depends on, oh, what am I going to do? I'll call Assyria. And Isaiah says, no, trust God. At the same place, he says, no, and he doesn't trust God. And it gets to be bad. And then later, Hezekiah gets invaded by Assyria, wipes things out because Ahab did the wrong thing. Then Hezekiah turns to God and God rescues them in that time. And this it's explained in Chronicles about turning and welcoming. And that is a time. And then in the time of Jeremiah, people are saying, oh, you know, everything was destroyed except the temple. So we have the temple of the Lord. And he says, you know, the temple is not the point. You can't just depend on we're a Christian nation or we have a temple or there's a lot of Christians or that is not going to work. You have to actually turn, turn from your wicked ways, turn from your idolatries and your other gods and other things you depend on, turn from your injustices and follow God. And then he will be able to heal you. But not just because you say, oh, we're the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh. We have Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's not enough. Um, Now, so I have not seen yet, personally, I have not seen a lot of humbling ourselves. Actually, Tanzania, maybe a little more. The president called for three days of prayer and uh, said, God will, God will heal us if we pray. He is, for better or worse, allowed churches and mosques to continue meeting because he says we need prayer. Um, now, I don't know public health-wise if that's good, if people should be praying at home. But the point is, I haven't seen a lot of our elected officials praying. I haven't seen, in fact, the governor of New York was commenting on how they've tipped the scales. And he said, God didn't do that. We did it through a lot of pain and suffering and keeping things down. Now, I know his point was to emphasize that it's our responsibility. And even in scripture, there's man's responsibility and God's sovereignty, God's control. But to say that God had nothing to do with it 
is um, suggesting that we haven't learned our lesson yet. We haven't humbled ourselves. We think we're going to conquer this. We think we can make it happen. And you know what? If we get a vaccine, if we get tests, if we get um, freedom to move about, it's going to be because God has helped us. And we better thank him for everything that we get back in, when that happens. In fact, we should thank him now. So I'm going to say three things I want you to do in this time. It's turn to God. I want you to give thanks for your daily bread and your daily breath. And I want you to trust him for everything that he's bringing. So um, in this time, let me, let me say one other thing. And that is this. Uh, we can, well, let, let, me, let me first of all say, um, I've, I've been reading, been listening, been trying to make sense of what other people who know God are saying, who study scripture are saying. Um, Greg Boyd in our city here, uh, says, you know, this is from God, Satan. This is uh, the powers and the demons who are attacking us. And um, that's true. I think it's true that COVID-19 is part of a messed up world and it's got demonic stuff behind it. And what's the answer? Turn to God because he's the one who's got control of it, right? John Piper wrote a book. You can download it for free called COVID-19 or Coronavirus in Christ. You can download it for free. It's, it's quite interesting. And I, one of the things I love about Piper is he focuses on God and how God is righteous and holy. He's our rock. And this is not for wrath for those who are following him, but it is God's in control. So now for Piper, everything is God's controlling what happens to the sparrows. He's controlling what happens to you. And um, he says that what, what is God at work? And this time he says, this is giving us opportunity for several things. God is showing us our sins by showing us how bad things are. Now, again, I've said before, COVID-19 is just a symptom of all the bad things that sin does. It's giving us a glimpse so that we can turn while we have a vivid reminder. He says it's judgment for sinful attitudes and actions, even on specific people. Um, he says it's a reminder of the second coming. And he says we need to repent and turn back to making God the most valuable thing. He also says it's a chance to do good works with courageous joy to glorify God. And he says it's a chance to disciple the nations, to let go of our roots um, and loosen up a little bit. Even though we can't travel at the moment, it's time to pray for the nations, time to do things. So those are some, some good things. Those are some things that God might be doing in this time. And N.T. Wright says, honestly, we don't know. And so we should be reading the Psalms out loud because a lot of Psalms are lament to the just king. And the just king says, we just say, you know, here is our problem. Please fix it because you are the only one who can fix it. And I, I've been reading the Psalms out loud. I think that's great advice too. So the point is this, whether you believe that it's mostly about Satan or whether you believe that God's got every detail in control like, like Piper or you believe that we can't really know so why, let's just turn to God. All of them are saying, turn to God, turn to God, turn to God. So it doesn't really matter the details of your theology. What matters is what you do. If you turn to God, if you thank him, if you trust him, you'll be doing what all of them said. And you'll be doing what the scripture clearly says. So whether God is allowing it, whether God is sending it, whatever the case, this is a chance. This is an opportunity. I've said before, as in Ephesians says, Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 15 says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. That's 
about staying at home, but it says a lot more than that. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That's one thing we could do while we're shut up. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is an opportunity. There are a lot of opportunities. And the main opportunity we have right now is to turn to God to trust God, to thank God. So, um, because God is in control, God comes and he, Jesus came and experienced all of our suffering and more. And God knows what's going on. So you may not have control, but he does if you'll let him have control. You may not have contact with people, but he's coming and he's available to you because of the forgiveness of sins that he provides. He is giving meaning to this. We don't necessarily know what it is. So I want to make one more point here. Sometimes when we use something like 2 Corinthians 7 or Exodus 15, um, we can take the if, then, and we can make it a formula. And we can say, oh, here is my way to be in control again. Because if I do this and this and this, then God has to do this. So is that God being king? Or is that me being king? Is that me finding a way to get God to fill the fridge again? And turn the heat up? And let me have the car? Repenting is not just about saying, oh, sorry, God, I'll do better so you can fill the fridge again. It's not just about... Um, we really need to turn our lives over to God. Job's friends came, and they gave him a message about repenting as well. Now, Satan was involved. None of them saw that. Job didn't know about that. Um, his friends got it wrong because they were saying, you were being punished for your individual sin. Um, that wasn't what God was up to. But God was doing something in the midst of what Satan was doing. And in... The purpose of Satan, God was also fulfilling his purpose, but it depended upon what? Job turning to God. Now, Job turned to God with lament and whining and all kinds of stuff. But you know what? He turned to God. It wasn't pretty, but he turned to God. And I would invite you to turn to God with exactly what's in your heart. If you're angry with somebody for making this happen, turn to God. Those are called imprecatory, vindictive psalms. They say, deal with this person because you can do it, God. And you know what? Then you let God deal with it instead of you. As our anger gets stronger here, turn your anger to God. As you get frustrated, turn that to God. And God showed that he was in charge. And you know what? Then in the end of the book of Job, God shows up and he says, Hey, you're talking pretty big stuff. Can you control this? Can you change that? Can you send the snow? Can you give birth? And Job repents. Interestingly, he turns to God, even though God says he didn't do anything wrong. At the same time, he says, you know what? I had no idea. So let me tell you something. I really have no idea what God is doing. There's some hints, some pretty strong hints in scripture about what God is doing. But when it comes to specific cases and how many and what, 
I don't know. I do know we need to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I'm not in charge. My government's not in charge. My science is not in charge. My medicine is not in charge. My stock market is not in charge. And we need to turn. And you know what? Let me, let me say, I think even in American history and the church, we've had this in-between thing where we've uh, kind of wanted God, but kind of not. Thomas Jefferson was kind of a deist, you know, like, we want God, but far away. Every man's created equal except black people and brown people and women, too. Um, and so then we, we kept that tension going until we couldn't give up slavery because it was too good for our economy. And then we had to have a civil war. And Abraham Lincoln said, you know, maybe God is just judging us. He said maybe God's judging us until every drop of blood drawn by the lash is returned by one with the sword, until all the riches we gain from unpaid labor is wasted on this war, maybe eventually God will give us hope. And you know what? God brought hope, and then things got good. In fact, by the end of the, of the uh, century, around 1900, people were saying, maybe we're bringing the millennium itself. Maybe God's kingdom, we're going to bring it ourselves. And then uh, World War I, Kansas flu, and uh, a whole lot of other things happened. And then, and then it got a little better. So the Roaring Twenties, and then the Depression, and then World War II, and the, we, we went back to God each of these times. And then in, in the 50s, everybody was going to church, especially mainline churches, and things were good. And then we kind of got off into our own thing, and we moved from depending on God to enjoying the control. I think the 70s is when this, when this uh, scripture was often sung. Some of you old people like me will remember, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves, will humble themselves and pray. Then will I heal their land. We sang that, and there was real revival in the 70s. Some of the hippies turned into Jesus people, and there was some real revival happening. That's about the last time. Because at that time, we got a born-again president, and the Pentecostals started to get some stuff, and we started to enjoy some control and some access to the White House. And we started enjoying our control instead of God's control. And, and yeah, the stock market went up. It had been kind of low and, you know, not doing much for a couple decades there. And, and, you know, we started depending on the stock market. We started depending upon our, our uh, political party. We started depending on our science and our technology and old cool computers. And you know what? We got a 9-11 wake up. Wasn't enough. Um, David Wilkerson, by the way, seemed to maybe predict this, this plague, maybe predict the 9-11, um, if you see what he said about Washington, D.C. and New York. Um, but he, what he said was, it's just scriptural. That's what happened. God's, God gives prosperity, and then he, if that doesn't wake people up, then he sends some terrible times to try to wake people up, because God is gracious. Do you understand that God is so gracious that he doesn't want us to continue to be king and end up in bondage and slavery. He doesn't want us to continue to do our own thing and just go straight to hell, away from him, to continue in a way that's turning away from God and continue that way until we don't know the way back. So I think we do need to repent, which means to turn to God to, and to confess. Now, Jeremiah said when people went off, they were taken into exile. He had warned them again and again and again, turn to God, turn to God, turn to God, and they didn't. And so they got what he said was going to happen. Babylon's going to come and wipe you out. Babylon's going to come and wipe you out. And it happened. Then they went, and then they're like, 
they had some prophets who said, oh, you know, it'll just be a little while. It'll just be a little bit. We're going back. And he said, wrote and said, you know what? Plant gardens, give your children a marriage. It's going to be not a little while, not 70 days, which is what we're hoping for with our stay-at-home order, but 70 years. And Daniel does it. He makes the best of it. And then Daniel has a prayer of confession that I would invite you to read. Okay, I want us to read in Daniel 9. Um, this is an amazing scripture because of the time that Daniel reads it. And Jeremiah had told them, it's not going to be 70 days like you hope. Now, those of us in COVID-19 stay at home, we're thinking, boy, 70 days would be a long time. He says, no, it's going to be 70 years. It's going to be a lot longer than you think, a lot harder than you think. Um, but he says, God's still going to come through for you. So he says, Daniel says this, it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of, and he gives us the exact date. It's a year from an important date. Well, I'm going to tell you what that is. I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of God as Jeremiah, with word of Yahweh as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to Yahweh my God and confessed. This is the beginning of repentance, is confession. He realizes that even after 70 years, they still are, are not turning to God the way they should. So he prays and he confesses things that aren't actually things he was guilty of. He was not an idolater. He had not done many things wrong, but he prays for everyone. So I want you to notice this, that he prays we. When you get angry about somebody else, I want you to pray we. I prayed this, oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. I want you to focus as you pray on the character of God. If you get through this crisis by focusing on the character of God, all of God's goodness, what does it say about God? You are a great and awesome God. You are able, you always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love. He has unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. Because those who don't love you, don't obey your commands. You can't fulfill your promises to them. But to those who love you and obey your commands, you can fulfill your promises. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right. You are just. He doesn't judge God for what happened. Why, why did you send us into exile? He says, you're right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true for all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far wherever you have driven us because of your, our disloyalty to you. Oh, Yahweh, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. He's merciful. He's forgiving to those who repent. Even though we've rebelled against him, thank you, God, for being forgiving. We have not obeyed Yahweh our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instructions and turned away refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. 
Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written about us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we've refused to seek mercy from Yahweh our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore Yahweh has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. Yahweh our God was right and just to do all of these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, and your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help. We don't deserve help, but because of your mercy. God's mercy is great. It's not because we deserve help or that we're so good. It's because of your mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act for your own sake, your own glory. Do not delay, O my God, for your people and your city bear your name. What's amazing about this is that God answered, sure, first of all, by showing up in an angel. But even more important, one year later after this was done, God fulfilled his promise and released the exiles. The king of Persia himself told them to go back. He said, God told me to tell you to go back and told them to rebuild the temple, which took a little while. But they had the temple again. God listens to our prayers when we confess. When we repent and turn to him, he's merciful, he's forgiving, he's great, he's awesome, and he's just. The character of God is such that we can depend upon him to forgive us. When we turn to him, when we trust him, when we thank him, he will do great and merciful things for us. Now, I want to ask you, when you get angry about something or someone, I want you to say, I am angry about that. We have done the wrong thing. We have sinned. We have been arrogant. We have not humbled ourselves. It's a challenge for me because, honestly, I just want food in the fridge and and to be healthy and uh, it's easier that way. I don't, I don't want to look and examine where I and where we have failed. But it's our opportunity. This COVID-19 is, a, is an opportunity. If you want to fast and pray, if you want to just take the opportunity you already have from being away from other people, this uh, separation and solitude that you're getting, opportunity for, this is an opportunity for us to turn to God. So, Let me repeat again, God is in control. Even if you're not, even if you don't have contact, God is coming and he's opened the way, the curtain is torn and you can come into his presence. And God knows the meaning of this. And he's given us some hints. But above all, we can turn to God. We can trust God. We can thank God for daily bread and daily breath and for all the other gifts. But above all, we want to turn to him. So I'd invite you in this time, in these terrible times, turn to God, trust him, thank him. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that you are not out of control. We are so grateful 
that you know exactly what's going on. We are so grateful that you have opened the way by participating in our suffering for us to be in contact with you, to be able to pray to you and for you to hear us. Lord, we pray that you would forgive our sins. We pray that you would empower us to see how great, gracious, loving, good, holy, just, and powerful you are. God, we rejoice that you are king and you are just and you are good and you are wise. We want to submit to you. We want to turn to you. We want to turn from our wicked ways. We want to humble ourselves. We want to seek your face in this time. Jesus, please help us. Just king of the universe, please enable us. We say that you are just and righteous even when there's bad things happening, even when there's viruses running amok, even when our economy is going bad, even when we're losing jobs. And Lord, we're not saying that each person who's lost a job or has gotten sick is personally getting punishment any more than Job was. But Lord, we want to hear from you. And we want to take this opportunity, whether we're working extra hard or whether we're safe at home, we want to take this opportunity to turn to you, to trust you, to thank you. Lord, I pray for those who are out on the front lines working hard. May they, with joyous dependence upon you, be doing good works. May each of us be doing good works, whether they're simple little things, whether they're big things. May we be showing that we do not have to be in self-pity. We do not have to be in fear because you have conquered death. You have conquered sickness. And whether by life or death, we are in your hands. Nothing can separate us from your love. So we turn to your love, your grace, and your goodness in this time. Deliver us, Lord. We say, take this cup from us, but teach us what you want to teach us in this time. Your will be done. Your name be glorified. Take this cup away. We pray. We ask for your mercy. But we ask also that you would mercifully do the work that you intend to do in this time. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you that you are the just king. And we declare that we want you to be king. And we surrender ourselves, our lives, our ways to you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.